idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Good evening. And welcome to Nox Mente. Yes, my microphone's working. Welcome, everyone. Tonight's guest is Yogi Chander. Yogi is a curious inventory of magic, ministry, and metaphysical ma martial arts. Bit of a tongue twister. His journey so far has been solidly grounded through meditation and athletic conditioning, and elevated through energy medicine, yoga, and sacred sexuality. He finds samadhi in the mystical places between consciousness and the supramundane. Yogi, welcome to Knox Monte. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It's welcome, Chander. How are you doing? Thanks for inviting me, you guys. It's a dream come true. Yes, this is good. I was What's Chander, right? for people that don't know, has struck out and on his own and is having interesting, long, interesting conversations with interesting people and a Sunday chill. Isn't that right, Yogi Chander? That's right, Sunday yeah. Sunday afternoon chill has developed. Um, it's a little panel show sometimes, and sometimes it's just me and a bunch of chatters. Yeah. And I might be on this weekend. You should, Jerry, I, you should do it. Totally. Everybody do out there in the it. chat room, please put a one if you want Jerry to... There's no one in the chat room yet. <laughs> one guy, one guy, Dr. Strange loves here. Well, like, it takes a minute to warm up. But yeah. right, I was the first guest on your show, and I was surprised at how long we went and how fast it went. That's what you said. I got a lot of pent up. That's what she said because there was a shitload of them at work today. I couldn't say. Well, here we That's, go. Come <laughs> right in anytime. It'll always be appropriate. <laughs> but I, it yeah, was... was an amazing show, Niche. I, I, I had been wanting to speak with you for so long, and um, I wasn't, in retrospect, I'm not surprised we talked so long. And um, But yeah, there's just, um, it did go quick. There's so much. It was yeah. like three and a half hours. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was exhausted, Chander, afterwards. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what she said. <laughs> oh, Jerry, where were you? <laughs> I'm checking levels and shit. Yeah. It's already, uh, she's already leading you on, though, or leading you into that. So. <laughs> so it's a pleasure to finally have you here. And I think it's auspicious that this Knox Mente, because we took a hiatus, we took a holiday break, our first one in all these years. And uh, the last Nox Mente was with our beloved Michelle Embry. So that's auspicious because I know you and Michelle are friends. She's on your show. You yeah, had her on your show. She gets on the panels and on the chill sessions and. Yes. Yeah, she's a she's there. She's a, she's a supporter. You know what I found? She's all around the community. She actually shows up and participates. Mm -hmm. it's cool oh yeah i love her Thank i you. like how centered she is right she's a very centered person i in these times i especially value that so yes it's a quality that seems to be sinking <laughs> <laughs> especially <laughs> amongst your friends who have turned turn to the dark side well i mean we all must the razor's edge baby it ain't easy on that razor's edge <sighs> So, 
Yeah, yeah. just stay off Facebook. I think you're fine. Oh, God. Face what? <laughs> I, I left Facebook about two, three years ago, and um, I, I started to um, clean house a little bit and started dropping friends, and finally I was like, what am I even doing here? I didn't have a, a business reason or anything. It was just not for me, so I left, and I haven't gone back. No, I'm I like, left oh. four years ago, and that was the second time I left. They make it really difficult to leave because it continues to want to sign you in every six weeks or something. Are you I had to sure go through like a, a hoopla. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it will automatically sign you in, so you'll get notifications that your friends are like, "Yay, you're back!" And I'm like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into Knox Mente. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Nightmind. So, Chander, let's do this. Let's go all the way back as far as you can recall, right? Back to young, young, young Chander in the early, early days. And what is back there that still holds space in your memory? What do you recall from that period? Hmm. I have really vivid memories, but they're kind of like flashes uh, and short, short clips. Um, but they're very vivid and they're all full color and um, auditory, uh, my memories I'm talking. And um, I, some, some they're, they're associated with some event, like fairly traumatic to majorly traumatic um, stands out. Um, from the earliest times. What? So, of course, you don't have to share anything you do not want to. Hear. I'm an open book for you guys. I, I like this about you. And I, I discovered that when we had our long chat. Uh, what? Mm. So what was traumatic back there that was really in these formative years, in these formative days? Well, Time is a little wibbly wobbly for me, and so I'm not sure which came first, but some things that stand out. One is um, a little less dramatic. I remember I was um, sitting in, in, on the floor of a room playing with these little plastic dinosaur toys, you know, kind of like army men, only dinosaurs. I loved those. Right? Mm -hmm. um, I loved them so much that I was actually in my neighbor's house. I had broken into their home and was playing oh. with uh, the son's <laughs> dinosaurs. Because I didn't have it, and I thought, why not? <laughs> but I mean, I'm talking. I was young. I, I, their door was just open. I just wandered in. Didn't even know any better. <laughs> this is an exercise in desire. <laughs> you desire those dinosaur figures. That's right. <laughs> I, you know, maybe they said something like, "You can come and play with these anytime." And so I guess maybe I did. Yeah. <laughs> Back I, in I, the good I, old days when nobody locked their doors, as well. That's right. We're talking the '70s, early mm -hmm. '70s. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't lock my I, door. I did. Jerry, don't Take advertise it. that now. Jesus. <laughs> I got nothing to steal. It's not about that. All right, moving on. Where's the hook? <laughs> <laughs> it depends on where I'm at. Boulder's a pretty safe area Jerry. here. Like, <laughs> nice. Okay, so, all right. You broke, you went into your neighbors that had these dinosaur figurines, these little plastic ones from the high 70s. Yeah, and, and I didn't really break in. Um, I, I, but yeah, so I, I wandered in, and and but uh, I remember getting like them coming home, and nobody was happy with me at all. And I remember 
um, just I just remember getting in trouble is all I remember. Uh, but I remember like them coming home and like their mouths dropping open. Um, and that's about it. Did you in this memory, did you have a concept that you were doing anything wrong or bad? Not at all. Yeah. So you were just going in wanting to play and then you got in trouble for that. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like, he was, I don't know, our next door neighbor's probably best friend or something. And yeah, I just, I felt welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since then, I've been the cat who walks where he wants. (laughs) (laughs) This became a power episode. So also, what are some other experiences that you recall from back in these early days, little glimpses of young you? Mm. Okay, uh, a little, we'll go progressively traumatic. How about that? Let's do <laughs> the it. next one was, I remember uh, walking in our, our garden um, at home. We, we lived uh, in, in this white brick house with a really beautiful garden and uh, a swimming pool in the back which I was terrified of. It took me forever to go under the water in that thing. And that's a whole nother set of things. But before then I was walking in the garden and I, I, I stepped on a bee mm. and uh, the bee stung my toe and I didn't understand why the bee wanted to hurt me. And I remember um, whoever was with me, I don't know who it was, but they kind of were trying to explain, um, you know, that the bee didn't mean anything by it. I just stepped on it, but I was, man, I, I can still almost feel it. And I've had a few experiences since then with bees um, and wasps uh, where they've um, they've uh, approached me in unexpected places, like riding my motorcycle, one flew in my helmet under the oh, visor, stung me in the face. Oh, man. <laughs> that was in my later years. But um, anyway, so bees. Um, and um, which kind of is a, is a little segue. I, I feel um, that something like that, like the bees, especially since they're recurring, um, I, I feel like it's a sign of some kind. Um, I'm definitely one who um, the animals make appearances to me, animals of all kinds, and it, it's typically tied with something. Um, when So what age were you when the bee thing happened? Hmm. You say? I had to be, I was less than six. Yeah, that's what Are, are you in Chatnish? No, why? Because someone just asked, how old was he when that happened? Well, don't pin, pin that on my psychic guy. That's just a logical question. Awesome. All right. <laughs> I won't put that one down. All this was less than six. Like, I'm thinking um, she's talking earlier years, and I have um, a couple more memories from, from that time, and then not much else from that time at all. And then I really don't know um, where things lie in my timeline. It's all just quite fuzzy after that, as far as time Did- goes. Did you see the movie Jupiter Ascending? No. Okay. What, what's that? It's a movie you need to watch. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's one of which house keys. I think it's on Netflix right now. Jupiter Ascending? Ascending yeah, it's yeah. from the Wachowskis. They did the Matrix stuff. And Bound. Um, I don't yep. know if you saw that ever. Bound. Is that with, uh, what's her name? Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon, yes. That's a great movie. I That's a Jennifer really, really Tilly. good movie. And uh, wow. Guido the Killer Pimps in it, too. <laughs> yeah. Joe Pantaleone. Pantaleone, yes, yeah. baby. <laughs> Caesar, he played Caesar in that. What, what a great role that was, too. That's, that's <laughs> I, I saw that movie, movie as a double feature with something else I don't remember, but that was the first Wachowski Brothers movie I saw 
you know, prior to the matrix. And I was. Did I you was just misgender them? What's that? You just misgendered them. God damn it. I'm kidding. Did you oh. really? I, did, I guess I missed it. <laughs> right. You're right. I did. <laughs> the Wachowski's. The Wachowski's. Are, I apologize. The Wachowski um, trannies. <laughs> I don't know what they are now. I just know they're not good dudes. I think right. I think they're they're transgender women now. So I, yeah, I think so. I think uh, yeah, I think they're sisters. But I didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of forgot about that. I was I was. Um, I was teasing. I'm Jerry. Totally, yeah, I'm sorry. Respect. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, wait. Let, so anyway, Jupiter ascending has a big subtext about bees in it that you'll find interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not I a love the bees it's, too. A minor no, subplot, put it that way. Yeah, and it, it's quite significant. I love bees. I love bees. Ah, oh, about the bees. Okay, interesting. That's why I brought it up. It wasn't for no reason. Oh, I'm sure there was a so, connection there. <laughs> all right, let's get this train back on the track, boys. Choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back in this early period, Chander, mm-hmm. back here, back. I... So I'm kind of skipping around a little because I want to make sure we get through and and into some dreams and stuff. But I want, you know, it's important in Nox Fuente that we get foundational stuff. We get a feel for you. Yeah. And so, so, so you had kind of these, these early, I guess, social and animal worldly traumatizing things, the bees wanting to play with the dinosaurs in good faith and realizing that that's like a social thing you don't walk into someone's house even if they're your friends that kind of thing what about what was your relationship with pop culture at the time what did did you like comics cartoons um my pop culture took place you know after after that time and i was really into it and we have we share some all three of us share some things about that. Um, but first, I I, I, I want to highlight one thing that's real important from that other time. May I? Okay. Yes, absolutely. I, again, flashes, but I was um, playing uh, football uh, alone. Um, I was dressed up. I had like a helmet and stuff on pads and then um, I was playing inside the house. My grandmother was there and I just remember I was running with the ball and suddenly I ran into the fireplace. The helmet cracked and I heard my grandmother scream and I saw red and then flashes of things until I got to the hospital. Um, and um, I still have the scar, it was, it was big. And um, so I, I feel that was probably my first NDE. Um, and I, I have an OBE memory that's very strange. I, um, I um, <clears throat> remember someone in a fucking mask, <sighs> doctors, you know, lots of them, right? Uh, all around me, like in an OR. Um, and they were, they put something on my face. I, I, I don't know if it was like the anesthesia or something, but I didn't like it. And I ripped it off my face, but the hose came off and the, the thing stuck on my face. And they freaked out I, from what I remember, right? I'm probably... It's probably exaggerated, but they freaked out. They were, um, it, I, I remember them kind of yelling at me and, and struggling, some kind of struggle to put that thing back on me. And um, then I was, I was above it all, like looking down 
and the whole room was like white and they were all just kind of standing around and everything kind of settled down for a little bit. And that's all I remember. That is and a big deal. Hell out now when I see people in masks, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a big deal. And this was around the age of six-ish, right? In that time frame? Yeah, maybe even younger. And so, and you have no memory of, like no memory of the unconsciousness that was in this period. Just that struggle with the the intubation or mass that was happening. Correct. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because I will go into them. I'm sure I've had other NDEs and I've never remembered anything about that, that part. I always remember going and then coming back. Yeah. Very clearly. That's, that's my experience too. <laughs> like lights on, lights off. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. theory around that. So I'm, I've been glad to learn that we're not alone. I could talk about it for days. Really? You had an experience though. I did. Chandra and oh. I did not. Oh. We had lights out, lights on. You had the experience on the other side or at that other spot? Don't know. Holy mackerel, man. I was. Yeah, Jerry was out there yeah. in a Marvel universe. Yes. <laughs> wow, maybe I could get you to talk about that. I would I love to. You need to have Jerry on your show, just Jerry, not on a panel. That's exactly, I'm, I'm, that's what I want to encourage him. I have, there's so much of Jerry that I would like to dig into. So we'll put him there's on There's a lot here. of me to dig into. Oh, baby. <laughs> that's what she said. That is what she said. <laughs> All right, back to the show. <laughs> I'll take nuts on that, please. All right, so, <laughs> and maybe some sprinkles. Whipped cream. So, yeah, oh, okay. I, we might as well go with the cherry as well. Definitely. See, here we go. We need a drummer. All right. So back here early on. So in this period, so just young, young, where the other stuff started to come in, your ideas of the world and all that, I want to get here at this point where we have stuff that was affecting you that was considered cultural stuff so pop culture stuff and also your relationship with the outside world so if you grew up in a nature setting your relationship with nature or if you were a city boy you know what was your nature because the city is actually a form of a natural landscape for people that grow up in inner cities sure yeah um well uh, i grew up mostly I'm pretty much a Colorado native. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of great nature around here, but pretty much I was a city kid um, or a suburban kid, I suppose. Um, my family, my, my dad was uh, 50 when I was born. And so, you know, he was older, straight out of the depression era. And my mom was out of the, you know, 50s, a, a kid from that era. Um, and they were not at all into nature <laughs> at all. <laughs> so uh, my times um, in nature were, um, I got to go to ski camp a couple times and sometimes friends took me hiking, but I, I never went camping or anything like that, weirdly enough, because I am such a nature guy. Mm -hmm. Pop culture um, was big to me. I, I grew up with TV and I, um, I loved um, definitely cartoons and Saturday morning shows and uh, the Banana Bunch gang, that kind of stuff, you know, um, and the Croft uh, Super oh, Hour. Oh, God. Isis and I love Shazam. the crops. <laughs> they shaped my world for sure. <laughs> right? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't do a little because you can't do enough. <laughs> that stuff was crazy. It, it, the whole generation of little kids on acid, even though we weren't. <laughs> I still remember speed buggy of that too. That was a talking buggy that changed. They would like honk the horn and it turned from like this beat up junkyard buggy into this sweet red hot yes. buggy. Oh yeah, it was so awesome. And people think the Teletubbies are wild. Please yeah, come right. on. <laughs> Star Trek was big too. The classic series. Yes. Star Trek. What about things like? So you're in that. You're in that territory. I love that land of the lost. Yep. Yeah, all that good stuff. Land of the Giants or whatever that was. Oh, oh, I forgot about that. Well, Dr. Shrinker, is that what you mean? Or the other one where there was, I think there was a Giants one. <gasps> Dr. Too. Shrinker. Now, see, I forgot about that. Jerry, do you remember Dr. Shrinker? I do not. I remember that. Yeah, that, that Ray Gunn, he, he's, he, I don't know what his deal was. He was, well, why is he shrinking everybody? I don't even remember why. I don't either, but that has set off a weird memory. Okay, I'm gonna explore that after the show. Okay, so the gun and the the little actor and then the the main villain very clearly, and that's all. Yeah, this is yeah, this is fun. I love all this stuff. I mean, I think and there's a reason why this stuff's actually hit a revival, and people, modern day people, have picked up on it because it's fun stuff that original batman which is older than us but it was in reruns for us the 60s oh that's still my favorite that is what batman's about to me is yeah the little campiness you know yeah oh a total campy <laughs> batman movie is awesome <laughs> yeah so all right back here young chander what was your relationship with the dreamscape with dreaming and all that um i had this time when I I I um I wasn't sleeping well at all. Um, and when I did go to sleep, I would see the bees, or I would see bees. I guess I didn't oh. mention that yet, but like swarms of bees. Um, they weren't like angry bees, but they were always there, and they scared the hell out of me. And um, that would happen. Uh, I would wake up and they'd be gone. But then I'd be interestingly, I had this nightstand uh, dresser thing that I would see faces in when I woke up, like white scary faces. And um, that happened a lot. And uh, I, I just, I don't remember much of a resolution, except that they wound up telling me it was all in my head and don't worry about it. Um, and so, uh, dreams were um, not vivid then, but ever since then in my life, they've been uh, a lot like my memory, like in color, really crisp, really clear, and usually um, with a message. Yeah. Do you, and so would you, how serious did you take dreams at that point? I mean, especially if you were getting some sort of allegorical stuff, you know, a message, messages. Well, I'm not sure how to, how to answer that because um, of the time. Um, my brain has definitely um, had some issues with especially time um, tracking and, and numerical things and stuff and dates and stuff and um, uh, partially due to traumatic brain injuries. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah first one and more but um and adhd so forgive me if i'm oh you in. got a whole cocktail going there chander <laughs> a little anxiety a little depression but <laughs> oh okay well that stirred or muddled <laughs> <laughs> at least i don't drink 
<laughs> right, well, there we go. That would really top it off. So, all right, but still the question stands no matter where you kind of fit it in the timeline. Well, they, I didn't really <clears throat> think much about dreams as a kid. Um, they didn't mean much else to me than anything else in life. Um, they weren't special in other words, but um, uh, at some point, and I'm not sure when, a little bit preteen, I started to really get into them. You know, I, I started to wonder about the mystery of them and stuff. Um, what I do remember though is from a very young age, I remember um, when I did have a hard time going to sleep, I would, I would um, do one of two things. One of them is I would trace my, <laughs> I, I, I would wonder like, who is my dad's dad? And who is my dad's dad's dad? Who is my dad's 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 dad? And I just kind of keep going back and back and back and back and back and back until I was asleep. <laughs> and if, if it wasn't that, then I would just close my eyes and literally watch the images, watch the movie. And I, I really got into that for a long time. And um, so that was kind of a gateway to the dreams, um, enjoying the dreams more. Yeah. Yeah, I like this idea of, I, I still do that. My mind still does like that tracking back. So I can relate to that. Like who Probably was my, <laughs> well, <laughs> know, you're full of the keywords tonight, Chander. <laughs> oh, I got them all. <laughs> so, okay, wait a minute. Were you brought up in a religious household? Very. My mom was Southern Baptist and my dad wasn't, he was just, Christian. Oh my, right. Southern Baptist in Colorado. Yeah, she was from North Carolina. And she, they were okay. hardcore. Okay, this makes sense then. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Colorado, no Southern Baptist up there. They were in a, a place from uh, North Carolina that's still nowhere called Salisbury. Yeah. So how did that affect you as a young person? Were you into it? Mm. Um, it didn't mean much when I was little. When I, um, again, probably about preteen years, I, uh, I, 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 I guess I found Jesus of some kind. Um, I, we, we, they went to Sunday school, but they didn't, um, and, and church, but that's about all, that, that was the, the extent of our participation. Um, but I was going to Sunday school and I, I had some sort of, I found God or, you know, whatever. And um, it was, it, 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 it lit me up to Christianity for a while. And then at some point, I just, um, I, don't, I, I think, I think I know what it was. I, um, I um, got into. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I was just uh, so. My. Um, uh, <laughs> I remember some um, there was there was some kind of familial thing. Uh, I, I don't know. There was some kind of blow up and some kind of um, problem with between my mom and my dad. Um, they frequently had a lot of um, violent issues together, um, and so one of them was over religion one day, and uh, they quit going to church after that. Oh. And so uh, I did too, <laughs> and. Um, I was kind of in this space of loss for religion for a very short time. And then I um, discovered the martial arts and um, found meditation and Buddhism and um, other things. So in this period where you were kind of in the Netherlands spiritually, mm -hmm. what 
was going on for you internally? Was this playing out in any dreams? Obviously, there was some turmoil. You mean the um, like the family issues, or or well, the, you were you had been going to Sunday services and got into the church and you found Jesus, and then all of a sudden you know, you were kind of stripped of having that relationship for whatever reasons with your parents, but it, it took it away from you in that way. And there's a narrative here we see with the, the dinosaurs, right? Where you went in to play and you got in trouble and all you wanted to do with play is play with those dinosaurs. So there's, we've got this kind of setup going in your psyche. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering about where you were emotionally in this kind of split up with Jesus, with the religion in your life that had kind of been a big enough influence that you found something significant for you at that time. And then it's, you know, you're stripped from what you think is the relationship was your experience of going to church. Wow. Good questions. Um, I just remember that I, I must have suppressed some memories because the church was a lot more, um, I was a lot more involved in the church when I was younger because I remember there was a puppet, uh, a singing puppet program. They had, um, it was a big thing with the puppet ministry and they, they, it was produced on TV and stuff. And so I was really into the puppet ministry thing. And I, I went into this thing that was sort of like a Boy Scouts within the church and I was really into it. And so, um, yeah, it really meant a lot. I think more than I, I realized until you, you brought that up, how much I actually lost when, uh, when when that happened yeah and maybe has um that probably um explains some of my uh underlying anger at at, at organized religion sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah oh of course this stuff all registers on on other levels and that's why i'm asking in this kind of netherland period where all that stopped do you recall having any kind of thing go on in your dream world? Mm. No. And so also, if we put yourself back in that space where you're kind of after the church and before martial arts and that kind of liminal space where you feel a little bit lost, is there what was what was going on for you, if you can recall in that space of time? Do you have any memories in there? Um, I remember, I think the last thing I did at the church, and it was after my parents quit going, but I was, um, uh, the Sunday school did a trip to a YMCA camp over in Wyoming, um, and it was an overnighter kind of a thing. And um, so I went with that. And I remember along that trip, everybody was, um, you know, pro, you know, pro, pro Jesus. It was a thing, right? It, it was a retreat to celebrate. And um, I was, I was, my, my head was already thinking about ninjas. And so I was already, when I was sitting there and people were singing and doing their prayers and stuff, I was pretending I was, um, you know, crawling on the ceiling and, and watching the thing, you know, and um, just being a ninja and doing other things. And um, uh, someone saw me doing some practice one time this is before i was training officially but i was doing some practice on my own and um so then they 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 tried to make it um they were like well you know ninjas are really about jesus and 
<laughs> and they said, we're going to form a ninja, a ninja, a ninja group for our Slendy school. And we think you should be a part of it. And it was just really weird. <laughs> I have a Ninja Jesus t-shirt. Sweet. <laughs> that, I think that's awesome though. But it's not, I mean, ninjas are, are Shinto, I think. Right. Actually, yeah, you're a lot closer. You're a lot closer to Shinto. Esoteric, but just as a little kid, you know, that yeah, was yeah, 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 adrift. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that yeah. was adrift and this was taking away your what you thought was your access to all that. And then there's this new love in your life, which is the idea of ninjas and all that. Yeah. And it there's a bridge there because they're there saying it's it's connected to something that was very powerful for you, which was your relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. yes right yeah. yeah so this is significant and this is a this is a real bridge and it's bridging you from all that kind of stuff you love that was taken from you that goes back as we already talked about to the dinosaur mm, wow fascinating to think about it that way <laughs> so as we move into that this is how you got in into so did that group what did they start did this idea play out in you getting involved in martial arts at this time, or was it still just kind of a, how I, did that bridge over? I wanted to, but I wasn't old enough. I was only 12 at the time and they wouldn't, the dojos wouldn't accept anybody. Most of them wouldn't accept anybody under 18 at that time. But the one I trained at eventually I had to be 13. So I kind of had to wait at the dojo door before they let me train. Yeah. <clears throat> So, all right, and then back in this time period, let's get a little, let's get some bullet points here. So you had that first NDE when you were around six-ish, right? Um, much younger, I think even younger, probably three or three or so, I think, four. Okay. I, I don't know, actually, I don't know. <laughs> er, but early, okay, so you had it very early with those, with, yeah, with that very significant imagery what's the time so when are the time checkpoints for the others that happened i didn't mean to do that um the uh well see that's the thing is unfortunately it's all wibbly wobbly for me I, I can say that um the 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 church stuff happened after after seven years old and all that other stuff that wasn't involving church topics happened before i was six i think but I'm trying to figure out your timelines with the NDEs. Oh, oh, you mean, okay. So there was that first one when I was quite young. And then um, my other ones were as an adult. Do you remember around the ages for the other ones? Let's see. Um, so please forgive me again. Um, I'm going to probably space details and stuff. It's, it's a brain thing. Um, and um I inevitably um, will miss probably something important, but I think, let me, let me see here. Um, if you were to count one where it was just a near miss and I didn't actually go anywhere, I was just almost killed. Um, it happened about when I was 16. 16, remember near death, near. So <laughs> it qualifies. <laughs> it qualifies because I would have been killed if, if I yeah. hadn't been killed. <laughs> or if I right, right. You got close. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was okay, close. so we've got one at sixteen-ish. 
Um, ah, yes, one, uh, the next one when I was 19. And um, yeah, and the next one after that was, um, let's see, I think that's going to be hmm, one in training. So, so um, how old was I then? About 20, 20, 24, no, 23. And then another one when I was, let's see, it would be 2011. So I was um, 41. Okay. And then, um, and then one shortly after that, and like uh, when I was forty-four. My my, you are I know, always right? three Done. minutes to death. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so the, the last time, the last few, I, I really, honestly, I'm, I'm not. There's no judgment about this or anything. It's just that I didn't really have a reason to come back, and so I don't know why I did. I don't know what drew me back here because what, whatever took me out took me far, and so what the hell brought me back <laughs> okay so this is where i want to get with this is since there have been several here uh you had mentioned earlier with the one that happened when you were very young that was just basically lights out lights on and you'd mentioned that that had happened and been kind of the experience with the others were they all that way or are there any in here that actually had some imagery where you had an experience well, not in the not in the not in the part where I was out, but the consistency that I found is um, the um, sort of a dimming of everything. Yeah. I, I have I'm prone to vasovagal syncope too, which it's kind of it's a fainting thing, and so that happens too. Um, it, it gets real dark, but it's a little bit different because it gets dark and then it gets real narrow and it stays there, and then there's some kind of weird aud auditory thing, and I just I, I get sort of a tingly, numbish sort of a thing. Nothing, nothing is painful. Nothing is scary. Um, just a little bit, a little bit worried because I know I'm, something's changing, but not really scared. And then lights out. And then, um, then waking up, oh, so gently, like I've never woken up from sleep so gently, except for the one time where I had flatlined and I woke up to them pumping my chest in the hospital and my ex-wife crying her eyes out next to me, which was weird. Yeah. So in this, all right, so this is intriguing. So when you mentioned some of this kind of possibly auditory stuff, is it, does it feel electrical? Did you yes. have any, yeah, like snapping or um, pulsing? I don't know what, I get that. So I, I get that in waking life now. Yeah, yeah me too. It feels electrical. I find that interesting. Very interesting. Okay, so thank you for that. And and we'll 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 bounce back and forth here. So let's cool. get into the architecture. And I just mean the general construct of how you dream. So how do you dream? Is it color? Is it black and white? What is the general theme in your dreamscape? Definitely color, very vivid. And a little um a little surreal no quite surreal although more real than than right now <laughs> somehow um you know have you do you remember the viewfinder things when you're a kid and they had those little uh pictures yes. you could look at and they were sort of 3d-ish the vis-a-vis -vis, yeah so that that's it's almost like that 
I I love that. I think you're the first person who kind of brought that idea up. Hmm. That's interesting. I loved those, by the way. I still love those. I, I have uh, a lot of them. Star Trek ones and all kinds of weird ones. When oh and that was another thing with your relationship with pop culture clearly and of course coming out of the same generation of the crofts and all that wild stuff that we all got programmed with in gen x um it, it was definitely a period of so the stuff you pointed out so we've got a love of sci-fi and like other worlds and weirdness, right? Totally, yeah. Okay. I was and, always a weird kid. I, I thought it was a leprechaun for a long time when I was young and I convinced everybody else that I was too. I could see that. You kind of give off a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the way I see them. So yeah, um, I definitely tied to the bay for sure. I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So with all that, though, and in this dreamscape, so those vis-a-vis -vis things, and I'm not sure exactly what they're called. I wonder, Jerry, do you know what those you, are called? I want to say viewfinder, but that's not it. It's um, viewmasters. Viewmasters. Yes, thank you. Good job. Nice call. Thank you. Thank you. Lord have mercy. Uh, um, oh, I'm going to go find one at the art in a thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're... You describe your dreams a lot like that. Does this, this makes me think or inspires me to think, Chander, that you're not, even though that's looking through those, it's not a first person experience. It's slightly removed. Do you, yeah. can yeah. you explain deeper how you are experiencing them in that slightly removed, but still kind of behind the player's eyes? How did you, I mean, do you, I don't know, ever know how to describe that. That really, that is what it's like. Is it what it's like for you or? Oh, oh yeah. I, can, I mean, I have that too, but so, yeah. it, so carry on, please. Oh, no. Uh, well, so yeah, it's like, it's like kind of a first person, but not quite. And it's a kind of a third person, but not quite. Um, I don't know. It, it's like, it, it, it's not quite an om omniscient point of view. Right. Because you're behind the eyes. Yeah. But, di but distant in a way. Uh-huh. And I believe that um, wherever I'm at is whatever it's supposed to be, even though, even though it may not look like that place, I think it's my bedroom or whatever. And I think this person, even if they have no face, which happens sometimes, even though the rest of them is clear, I know it's the person I think it is. That's interesting. So that's very interesting. So you'll have, okay, let's, let's dive into that a minute, Chander. So characters in the dreamscape that you know who they are clearly, and yet they will have really no characteristics that you would identify because there's no characteristics, but you know who they are. Yeah, actually three things like that happen. One is when they have none, no characteristics. The other is when they are, um, someone else entirely that I, maybe I know or don't know, but it's, it's not them, but it's them. Yes. Or it's a dead person. Like uh, now and then I'll, I'll, uh, especially kind of in the last few years, um, uh, my mom and dad will be in my dreams and, um, it seems very, life is like it, like they're here and almost like I'm living with them or something. It's really weird. Um, yeah, that's interesting. 
That's very interesting. It's interesting that that gets grouped together as well. Okay, so we have we have an idea of your dreamscape and all this. Do you at any point in your life have a relationship in your dreamscape in your dream life of getting full consciousness? So this could be you can call this full lucidity or even straight up astral projection if you're out of if you get that sensation that you're actually traveling and you're out of your shell yes to all that um yep i've i've had experiences where i've been in the dream and um i wake up in the dream um and i and then i need to try to wake myself up sometimes has led to sleep paralysis and sometimes not but like for some reason something i i something outside is calling me and it manifests in the dream and then i and I, I like realized that it's that kind of dream. Or uh, I've also done astral projection um, intentionally or not. And then also, um, what was the other thing you said? Well, full on out of bodies. Yeah, I thought you said one, one other thing though, but yes. Okay, so let's look at lucidity here. So when you say that, something outside your body is calling you to wake up and that's you realize that you're actually in the dream a lot of times you'll have to pee right or something you know yeah. something something's going on and you realize you're actually dreaming in the yeah. dream because yeah. but because you're aware that something's going on and urinating is an easy common example uh what is that experience like then? What are what are you usually going through when you're like, okay, I'm in this dream now because I know that my physical body, there's something going on there. Do you usually just jump out or do you explore that space of being aware? Um, well, I, I remember a funny example, um, right? I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'll, first I'll say that I, I have explored a little bit, but mainly I, I unfortunately just kind of transitioned to, to waking. But um, one strong example is I was dreaming that I was in Antarctica and the cast of Three's Company was there and we were all <laughs> kind of just hanging out. And then Janet and Chrissy and, and Jack got on this ice slide and slid down and they were all holding each other going, we're cold. And then I, I was like, I woke up and I was laughing my ass off and I was naked and my windows were open and I was freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Miss Roper. I, you know, like I love those moments. Yeah. <laughs> Come and knock on my door. <laughs> Come and knock on my ice wall. <laughs> I love And the Ropers city. was definitely better than Mr. Burley, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny stuff, though. So, <laughs> right. And that's a good connection between the physical body and this point of consciousness that is somewhere else but attached to uh okay so within this idea of lucidity in the dreams have there been times when you're full lucidity and there's nothing calling you or you're not aware you're not connected to your physical body in any way and yet you're aware you're dreaming do you get any of that oh you mean like Mm. You, so you're you mean awake like, when you're dreaming in your dream you're fully awake yeah 
And, and you're talking about an, an OBE within the dream? Is that what I heard you say? Well, it can lead to an out-of-body. Sometimes there's this, for me, I can only speak for myself, but I mean, I've, I've read a lot on this, obviously, and we talk to a lot of people, but for me, the experience of OBE, which is the highest state of lucidity for me, but that's where I'm actually aware and I leave my body and I'm doing stuff. And so I feel this a whole sense of autonomy uh, that's just, I'm doing, I'm, I'm aware that I have an anchor, an anchor somewhere, but I'm traveling. And then just an extremely lucid dream, it's, I'm traveling within the dreamscape. I'm in the dreamscape, but at the same time, there's not this sense of separation from the body. So that's how I, I kind of experience it. Mm -hmm. So there's like a dual, there's a dual point of consciousness with the OBEs, in my opinion. I see that. Well, it's, it's, it's weird because I've done a, a lot of work in my um, adult years with, you know, shamanistic practices and journeying and, and um, um, uh, esoteric uh, meditations and, and that kind of stuff and, and playing, you know, uh, diving into the woo and, and uh, magic and stuff like that. And so um, I, I've had experiences like that in, in, in actual, you know, life sometimes. And sometimes I get the experience, especially if a traumatic event is happening, the, it's that dream view where I'm not quite here, but I'm not quite out there. I'm sort of sort of here, sort of, or something. I'm not really sure, but a detachment, but tethered. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't, I don't recall any specific dream times when that's happened, but, um, uh, when I've, when I've intentionally, uh, set off to astral travel, um, and then gone to sleep, sometimes I've fallen asleep before, um, I was I was I was flying and didn't realize that I had entered that lucid state. You know, I was thinking about it on the way, and that's it. And then suddenly I was flying and woke up, um, but it didn't last long. Okay, so when you're having that sensation of flying, what is that like for you? Well, I don't, I don't, I've never played with it much. I just remember kind of being. You don't I have to overanalyze like, here. You don't have to overanalyze, Chander. You keep wanting to overanalyze. Let it flow, that. baby. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, can I can I have you just call me every couple hours and tell me that in my life? <laughs> Come back to us, take a few breaths and let it flow. So uh, just like just the I, idea, think about it. Flying in your dreams, what does that evoke for you right now? Flying sort of like a blimp might fly or balloon. Yeah. And is that enjoyable when you've in, experienced it? Yeah, but not, not, I don't think I've ever made the most of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to. And we get into those traps where, you know, especially when we're talking to people about dreams and other people that may be gurus in the dream department and it can bring our our self-esteem down and there's we don't need that your experiences are yours and they're valid no matter what and it's um this is the damage in some of these these 
some of this talk in the world with stuff like this. It, it's all right. And it's, this is what I continue to say and keep finding. Every time I'm at a body, I don't experience that silver cord. It's all right. I have been shamed <laughs> not to be all, not to be all 2020. <laughs> but this is this is all right. So let's talk about as you mentioned earlier, you have encountered those that have passed in the dreams. So when we're talking about some of them can be faceless. So let's dive into a couple of those memories, if you could bring those to us. Uh, I, I wrote a little note too. The, it's almost like they shapeshift sometimes. Yeah. And I actually, I see that in people too, uh, again, in normal life, not often or anything. I don't, I don't see things and I don't hear voices, but I do get messages. And sometimes if I'm in a certain space with people, I almost like things darken just a little bit and their face changes to someone else entirely. And whenever I've mentioned that to somebody, they've always been stunned and said that that's like a past life they've been told about or, or some kind of something they're familiar with. And it's, it's really odd. But in the, in the dream world, um, if they have no face, like I don't remember really any specific circumstances except general, really mundane things. Like I'm seeing a woman walk to me in a hallway wearing like a like a dress, but her face is just there's nothing. It's like like a green screen artifact or something, you know? <laughs> it's not there exactly, but it's sort of placeholder. So, all right, with that, how were you able to know that? Okay, let's let's go this route. The ones that were dead, that were ghosts, you knew them, right? There are people that had died that you've known, like a grandmother or something, right? Yes. Yeah, it's happened several times with my mom and dad. Uh, a lot of people, um, I know a lot of people have passed, but um, most of them don't don't come to my dreams. But my mom and dad have been. But it's not like they ever act like they're dead or trying to tell me anything or anything. Um, it's it's a life thing. It's like mundane life that I'm living with them and nothing has ever been different than that. Yeah. And so, well, and that's something that's very key for me too. It's like the relationship actually carries on, mm. especially if you're not emotionally, you know, for my mom, I was really emotionally attached. So it was a hard time for me to get to the point where I could just have a relationship with her without being in tears or something. Uh, so that's interesting. And I like that. And I, I imagine that comes from your praxis of, uh, of your spiritual praxis, really. Um, so when you experience them, and it's just mundane stuff, what is that like for you, though? What What's the experience like? Do you have any examples for us? Actually, one happened not long ago, a couple weeks ago or something. And it was, um, they were, they were angry with me about something, but it wasn't like they were yelling at me. They were just vaguely angry with me. And they were, um, we were all three in just in this place, a home, and um, I, um, I, I, I don't remember any specifics about why they were angry or the interactions that I had with them, except um, uh, that I was sort of, 
when they weren't present with me, when I wasn't visually seeing them, they were, um, it was like they were kind of hanging out, like close by, like looking, looking over my shoulder kind of a thing and waiting for me to do whatever I was doing wrong or, or whatever that they were angry with me about, um, waiting to catch me with that, I guess. Well, is this a therapy session? Because it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, dreams in general. No, this is interesting. And uh, when, so when you came out of that particular one, Chander, what were your, what was the mood? How did you feel coming out of that particular experience? I woke up still thinking that it was, that they were here, that um, at first, you know, just for a bit, for a bit, it was like, um, it was like I was still in that dream state. I woke up and I wasn't here in my home. I was where I was in my dream. Yeah. But I, not visual. I mean, it, I just, I thought I was, if that makes sense. And, and slowly, um, uh, I just kind of shook it off and realized that it, you know, it was a dream. And, um, but there, there was, uh, yeah, that transitional state, it's pretty strange it, that I don't know if, it, if I wanted to hold on to the dream state for some reason or, or what, but oh, I, I remember one time, a different time though when it turned into a sleep paralysis thing and it was um uh that's a different thing altogether i suppose <laughs> we let's go there um i had someone i was a kid when i had the bees coming around and stuff um and, and it was always real scary and I'm, I'm the kind of person that um when i when i feel sense uh, sleep paralysis i am like i start trying to yell and i can't say a darn word and I, I am like fighting or you know, physically trying to break out of it and I'll punch and I'll kick and it goes so darn slow. <laughs> I can't, but it, it breaks me out and eventually I'll start like wiggling something or something and well, you know, say something audibly and wake up. Um, uh, and th there's been a couple of times when um, I felt that there was something I was fighting against, like an entity of some kind uh, to, to just kind of make that blunt. Um, yeah. and, and I remember the first time that I experienced that it might be another entity, it was very scary. Um, he, uh, he said, I'm going to get you for what you did to my brother. Mm. And he, he held me down. And I was like, I did, I, I still don't know what that could be alluding to, but I, it terrified me <laughs> and I, I broke out of that and never saw that guy again. Um, and never went back to Fort Collins either. <laughs> <laughs> long, anyway. uh, heed the warning <laughs> how old were you around when that happened uh, about 19 it was uh when i was first going to college and i had a lot of woo experiences in fort collins some attached with psychedelics and some not Ooh, i'm intrigued by all that what a, to, to, who else is in fort collins why does that name sound so familiar hmm let's see what's what's big out there I'm not sure. Is the CSU is there, Colorado State University? But um, it used to be a nothing town. It's it's pretty big now, but I can't think of anything special. Jerry's got someone there. There's no, a reason I, why I, I don't. But I I remember there's some kind of woo connection there. I'll look. That's I'll what I'm saying. There's something there for you, Jerry. Bring it to us when you nobody look I it know up and, though. I'll look. Unless Solaris uh, is there, that could be what it is. Solaris is somewhere around there. I'm not sure. Is she really? That's yeah, funny she's... because I've been thinking about her recently and I randomly. Just oh, some Solaris should... Blue Raven, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should get her on your show, Shander. Oh, 
fuck if she would if she would do it i would she i, would totally I, know, do I it. thought that she's kind of oh yeah a, a so right is very approachable just send her send her uh, uh a dm or something yeah send her some oh. nudes <laughs> I, will do. I got i got them ready just in case <laughs> i so just released a chat with her today by the way really? uh yeah, on the Cosmic Salon. Anyway, oh, so let's get back to that. this. Loving that. <laughs> All right. So this the idea of sleep paralysis and that particular experience. So okay, so what I I wanted to kind of dive into here is when that experience of when you can't seem to get control of your physical body right and there's that yeah. fear yeah, yeah. It, it's scary do you have you ever had that sensation that it's pot you know you think i know i have so i'm just asking this question some people don't get this but i'm like did i possibly die am i dead here and i can't get access to the the shell has that ever so. come across for you yeah yeah i think so um i say i think so because um it's 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 weird because I feel like I'm some part of me knows or, or doesn't want to believe that I might be dying, but some part of me thinks that I might be is really terrified of that exact thing. <laughs> but it, but um, also just being restrained, I don't like. But um, and yeah, same me, here. I have some real issues with that kind of thing. I'm sure from my childhood. You too. Yeah. Okay. So also with sleep paralysis, you mentioned uh, entity entities as well and you gave us that really good example by the way that was a good example what other examples with those kinds of let's just call them maybe archonic or archontic uh whatever whatever we want to call them entities that don't seem favorable <laughs> to, your to your enterprise uh have you had other experiences with such entities I, I um, I've never thought of them as being like of a family or anything or of a tribe of, of entities uh, connected in any way. But yeah, um, are you talking in dream uh, like that liminal space yeah, or in dream space, place? in dream space in particular. So with or without a paralysis experience, but just in your dream space, other things that seem not friendly. Yeah, um, typically it's not a I mean, not a lot. Uh, typically, my dreams are either mundane um, or just kind of um, uh, uh, kind of Twin Peaks-ish or or really really funny. But uh, when they are scary, uh, I have had a few of those, and when they are, uh, it is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> do you, so? Do you have some examples besides the one you gave us? I'm trying to think of. not okay i can give you sort of a theme or something there's um i remember vaguely some as a mundane sort of a thing um and i'm dreaming i'm thinking about the guys in, i lived in a house for a while with five other guys um in fort collins and it had to be a haunted house but um there and so i remember just kind of being there in my dream with them in a party scene and suddenly um they all turned on me um, but they weren't them. And, and that's a funny thing is because they look like them and I was 
with them in that house, but they were not them. Mm-hmm. And um, it, uh, I, I, I felt, I'm thinking right now, like I had nowhere to retreat except sort of in, like I'm thinking like I can I sort of suck myself in and back and just kind of away from the whole scene. And um, that's all I remember. They didn't touch me or anything. And I don't remember waking up or anything, but that's all I recall. This is interesting too. So the idea of going in and back is interesting. Is this something that that kind of survival mechanism, and clearly it worked, has that been something you've used before? Was that pure instinct? My instinct and my power seems to be standing firm and going stop kind of thing mm-hmm. and staying real firm. I, it, when I do that, I feel no fear and I feel powerful and I feel that nothing is going to happen. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's your, that's some, some heavy training you've done to get to that. Mm. It usually is with people because the fight or flight mechanism is a very strong one. And so standing your ground and facing a fear is a very big deal on an internal spiritual level. It's, even, it's cool because, thank you, and it's cool because uh, in recent times, I, I get almost that wave of fear start to rise, but then it just go, it, it stops. So, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's interesting to be in that place and expect to be, to have to push down some fear or, you know, rise above it, and then not to have it even be an issue is weird. <laughs> yeah. So let's linger around that Fort Collins period when you were around 19, right? Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned some supernatural or paranormal type experiences. What's going on? Okay, so first, let's look at this because we have some interesting dream imagery in this period. What was going on in your outer life? When? Okay, so just to get some more background, what ages were you when your parents died? Because you don't have living parents now. Correct. Uh, my mom died shortly after that period. I, I think it was, I think it was 20. Okay. Um, and my dad died when he was 88. So that would be, he was born in 20. So I guess 2008. Okay. So this time, so the Fort Collins period when you're 19 ish right there, that is kind of the, this is an important time. Your mom dies here in this time period where you have paranormal activity going on, supernatural stuff. Mm. Uh, provocative oh, dreams what was some of the supernatural paranormal stuff that went on and you already mentioned the house must have been haunted is what you said yeah so take us into this space this space was uh it was a really old house and it was on the corner of um it was on the corner of a, a an intersection and it was on the very edge of town near the railroad tracks um where uh, after this was basically nothing to Wyoming, so it was it was kind of a it was kind of a spooky little place, and it was it was sort of off on its own, and um, it was very big. Again, there were five of us living there, so we each had our own bedroom, and uh, there were two kitchens, and there was this very narrow, creaky stairway, very narrow, creaky stairway, the only one, the only way to go up to the second floor. And on the side of the stairway, there was a um, panel that was for like a dumb waiter, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I saw what I think is probably the first ghost that I saw. Um, 
there was uh, shortly after we moved in, I was with somebody, it's a little vague, but somebody was with me, I know, and I was decorating my room. Um, I was real goth at the time and I was putting black trash bags in my room. And um, <laughs> it was really cool looking. And uh, I remember uh, that period, <laughs> the uh, black yeah. trash bags. <laughs> I didn't, but I had a boyfriend. Yeah, he had the black trash bags going. <laughs> it has quite an effect. <laughs> oh, it certainly does. Anyway. And my room was all like all in that. So it was all black. It was a gothed out room. The other guys were more kind of uh, more jockey, if anything, even though they were friends of mine. But I was the goth guy and a lot of woo stuff happened in my corner of the house. Of course. <laughs> well, you were in a necromantium if it had, was all blacked out with those bags. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, so when I was putting those up, I just, the dump, for some reason, um, the dump radar was open and uh, something went up like a, it was whitish, greenish, mostly whitish and something like, it was kind of like, like, a sh <laughs> It's like a white sheet. It kind of just went up, but it was so fast and, and I couldn't quite catch it out of the corner of my eye. So I might be adding to it, but um, we both, we, we were like, there's no one upstairs. There's no apparatus in the dumb waiter. And um, there was nothing in there when we looked and we had no idea what had happened, but she or he or whatever, they said that they had you know, seen something too, but they kind of brushed it off. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't, uh, uh, to me, that was a really, I mean, it was a presence thing. It wasn't just a little visual anomaly. It was, there was something that, that was going up. <laughs> yeah. So you had a, there was the visual through your periphery, but you also felt that experience. Yeah. And I will say that I have extraordinarily good peripheral vision. And I, I made a point to train that. And um, uh, so I did catch out of the court, out of the, you know, my eye, but I have actually quite clear peripheral vision. And by the time I looked, it was still there. And I, so I caught it, I caught it like a full image of it, but not enough to see what it was. <laughs> and so what, what other strange happenings happened around that period, around that house, around you? Well, um, there was a, a lot of psychedelics going on at that house. So when and, you say uh, that, are we talking uh, acid? Are we talking mushrooms? What are we talking? I uh, think, sorry. so you're 19-ish. I was doing those things at that time in that same time period, essentially. Seems like the right time to do it. <laughs> it's, well, just, I'm just guessing, because a lot of us in that, you know, that time period kind of was, that's what was going on since we're you're about, right about the same age. Yeah. That makes me wonder about, what was going on like in the world at that time that was influencing that. Huh. It was mostly acid. Uh, there were mushrooms too. Um, yeah. Mushrooms never uh, only treated, uh, I only had a bad experience once with mushrooms, but um, acid was, was um, prevalent there. And it was uh, like, it, it was almost a classic college house. You know, there was always a party and stuff. And when there wasn't a party, someone was tripping or everybody was tripping. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we um, just weird stuff happens, of course, when you're, when you're there. But there was a lot of there was a lot of movement around that didn't like physically affect the place, but things were moving around a lot. And um, 
the only time that um, that I had like an actual encounter that I can think of, it was uh, I mean it was a full full blown full blown acid trip on on my part, and uh, uh, that that led to one of my NDEs, and it, um, uh, uh, yeah that that was a huge point for me in in my uh, awareness, I guess, and my religion and everything. Well, could you tell us about how that, what it was that led to that NDE and the NDE itself? Sure. So I was, I was kind of, sometimes I was partying with, uh, psychedelics and sometimes I was using them intentionally, but at this point, at this time, I, um, uh, everybody just got let out for Christmas break. So there was hardly anybody in town. And um, I just, I invited people over to have a little party. And um, uh, I was, <laughs> I was the only one to, uh, uh, I was the only one at home first, so I dropped some acid. Um, and was thinking it'd be a great time. And then people started showing up a little while later. No one else uh, did any psychedelics, but between that time and the time they showed up, I was listening to some Jimi Hendrix and Purple Haze got real dark. <laughs> 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 jimmy jimmy was kind of angry there <laughs> was, yeah oh yeah uh so yeah and um that it shortly after my girlfriend at the time showed up and this is uh, this is a time when she changed she shape-shifted into a uh, an alien cat <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh her friend also uh uh did same um her female friend whom I knew and um, they, um, I, I was, I was starting to not be well, like I was sweating and uh, starting to feel like I had to get away kind of thing. And so they, um, they recognized that and they, they saved me. So we went over to her place and it was a cold snowy night. Um, we were all inside and I was trying to chill out and um, uh, she was, um, Actually, she was telling me about, um, I, I was saying that I was feeling like something, I, I said I felt like snakes going up my spine. Yeah. And I had no idea about Kundalini and whatever, but she was telling me that was probably the Kundalini thing. And I just remember that um, in retrospect, um, that has nothing to do with, well, I shouldn't say that, Never mind. Um, it has everything to do with it. It's attached to the story. Right. Well, shortly after she told me that, I don't remember what developed, but for some reason, uh, some of my other uh, male friends came over, like my best friend was there, and they were all really comforting, good people, and I was in good company. And suddenly, um, I started to feel like um, uh, like I was in hell, and that, like literally, and that these people were actually demons, and they were deceiving me. <laughs> and um, the- Very uh, Jacob's Ladder. Oh my God. And I saw that not long after that Oh shit! <laughs> with that girlfriend who became my first wife. Um, and she did the whole movie. She was like that. This is, this reminds me of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And I, uh, I don't know. I ran and I ran away and they were trying to, you know, get me. And, um, I just started stripping clothes because I was in hell and I was hot. So I just started taking everything off, going down the road, <laughs> middle of the road, just running naked, snow coming down. And then I, for some reason, I thought the only way to get out of here is to, um, eat the desk. In. <laughs> I tried to throw myself in front of cars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but it was so, 
my timing and stuff was so off that I wasn't in danger of that. But my friends were like, what the hell are you doing? You know, and they were running after me and I kept breaking away. They tried to grab me and I, you know, would get away. And um, I, I woke up, I was buried in a, in a, in a ditch under the snow. And um, uh, there were um, like police lights and stuff. And um, so they came and they got me and they put me in, in, the, in an ambulance. And the ambulance ride became a, a shuttle ride to um, uh, purgatory. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally hell cab. <laughs> uh, and I just remember um, having, I felt like I had to make a decision between, um, between uh, uh, evil and good, basically. And I, I was screaming for the good side, basically. I don't know exactly what I was saying, but I was screaming so loud that my uh, throat was caked with blood the next day and uh, my toe has been frostbitten. And um, yeah, so I woke up in the hospital and um, and that was that. But, but on the way, like uh, I, I in, in my mind, like I'm not believing this, okay, or whatever, but I, God was the last person that I talked to in the hell cab. And he, he uh, uh, said that he would, he would let me go to where I needed to go. <laughs> that, well, this is remarkable. And I mean, this is a, you know, this is a real spiritual crisis. And you had, at this point, you'd already had one earlier in your life when, when you were in that netherland between the Jesus stuff and the ninja period right so we there's a deep sense of spirituality with you always i mean you just come to the table with that but this yeah. is a very very big deal on your journey and uh and then yet here in a year a year later your momos passed and you get married sometime after that uh and so did sure, you, yeah. you, you, this is very significant, Chandra, this really is. Did you, so after this, after this experience, when the experience is over and you get clarity and you know how that clarity happens when you're coming back out of an LSD experience, which to me is the best experience, uh, the best part of the experience, because you know you're coming, especially if it's a bad trip because you know you're finally able to get out of that terrible experience and then there's all that clarity of processing everything that happened and there's it's almost like fresh air uh, yeah yeah what? well said you gotta there's that point where you just gotta write it out and if you do then yeah <laughs> it's that point and you're good <laughs> right and you know it and so people that don't understand that and it didn't haven't gone to that experience don't realize because it feels like you're stuck you know it can feel like you you can't get away from it but the the light does come the day does come and 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 when it does the clarity is just absolutely amazing and refreshing did you so after that did you do uh acid again never yeah, I, I see. Never yep, I had I had to have the bad experience too that led to a spiritual crisis as well, wow. and a choice. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, and this is not a, uncommon. I think that this is a common experience for some people, at least the spiritually inclined type. 
Uh, okay, so with this, with this idea here, um, I, I wanted to push into this a little. So sure. in this significant time period that leads to this kind of crossroad for you, where had you been as far as you had started to study martial arts at some point before this, right? Yeah, age 13. So at thir right, because you had to wait, it was gonna be like 18 or whatever, right at the dojo. Well, most, most of the schools at that time that were teaching lethal arts wouldn't take anybody under 18, but this was a classical Japanese dojo. So they didn't quite view it like that, but they had, you had to be 13 and it was a new kids program. They previously only taught adults. So you had already been getting, you were, you'd already been introduced to these other ideas. Yeah. So that's why I I'd gone over magic actually. I, I'd gone, I, I'd gone into Wuland before that time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So in here with this, with this crisis that happened, what, what, when you chilled off and you came to later and you have processed all that, what, what did you come down to? What did that experience boil down to for you after it was all said and done? Well, um, it's, it's come to mean something a little different than when it, when I first came out and woke up, like you were saying at that time, uh, I was, uh, still um, very, very skeptical of everything around me. And um, the doctor who came to see me, the first doctor, um, he, in my memory, he was a total asshole. And I told him that. And I was like, I don't want you as my doctor. I want another doctor. <laughs> and um, he, he I, I remember him being pissed off. Another doctor eventually came in. But before he left, um, his nurse came in and they put an IV in me. And um, it, it hurt real bad. And I, I, I told them to take it out and they did. And they said that, uh, I don't know, they said that it, it broke or something. Um, ever since then, I have this little itchy little spot in my arm and it's, it, it reminds me of that every freaking time. And I, I just, I wonder about that. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, but, my um, suspicious mind does out there over there on the Cheyenne mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine too. And at that time, I, that wasn't even, in, I didn't even think of anything like that. But I had this weird feeling that, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel uh, necessarily, um, I'm not married to the concept that something might have happened there. But um, at the time, I was like, what? What just happened? <laughs> I'm not comfortable yeah. with that at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when when the smoke clears on this experience, though, what did you take from it? So then and now, so not where you are now with it, but what after when you get back to your, your life that was going at the time, and this was a significant experience, what did you make of it then? I wasn't sure how to resolve it. And I, I definitely, um, was avoiding it, uh, processing it. I, I, I felt like I had, um, you know, made a right choice and um, that it is what it was kind of thing. But um, I, 
my mom, my mom started getting real sick at that same time. Um, she had been sick for can with cancer for many years, but she really started to get sick then. And um, I started drinking heavily. And that's where oh, that okay. transferred to for a good long time. Okay. So you, you basically repressed it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And so at this time, when did you, oh, we apologize. Sorry about that. Uh, so, all right, get us from that space to where you became the yogi chander that you are. And, <laughs> and I know that's a big bridge, Okay. right? I know that's a big bridge, but it, it, it's important. This is a pivotal point in your life. And we've already seen a couple other very pivotal points. But I wanted to see how your dream life weaves around these points. So when did you, you, you started drinking, you went in, you kind of repressed this event a bit, your mother's sick, there's all this stuff going on. This is a big pinch point in your life where, you know, you could have had a stellium in your chart, who knows what's going on. Uh, but then and you come divorced to, my wife right after that too, real shortly after. Yeah. So see, there's a lot going on right there. That's very condensed and uh, you know, that it's got an NDE in there, all this stuff. And, and then your mother's moving through her transition and all this, how did you get from that point to finding the Eastern? Cause that's what you do. You're, you're in the Eastern path now, basically, spiritually. Kind of on my own chaotic path, but it's heavily influenced by that. Yeah. Yeah. So how did um, you get there? Well, when my mom died, I was there and, um, you know, at the moment. And um, so that, that, was a, that was a spiritual moment, of course. And um, I... Um, at, at that time, I was, I, I guess I sort of was at peace with whatever um, I, I had experienced, um, but uh, it, it uh, I just didn't deal well with it. Um, and I, uh, I didn't do any martial arts or anything for a short time there. And then, um, then I found someone who was teaching something that I wanted to learn. It was another ninja school. It was a, it was a, it was a more legitimate one. Anyway, I digress. I found a school that I liked and I went and started training real hard core with them uh, and made it my, my life. Um, and now, like I said, as a kid, I had done this and that was my way of life up till about age 17, 18 when I went to college. Um, and then it slowed down. But during that time, I was really into the Eastern uh, spirituality. Um, Nimpo Nijitsu is, um, at least the things I was into were uh, basically esoteric Buddhism and uh, a lot of chanting work and uh, hand weaving and magic and um, Omyodo uh, Taoist mystical stuff. And so that always resonated with me. And so I returned to that when I started training um, again. And at that point I was lost. I had no idea uh, what to do with my life and um, divorced my wife and decided to teach martial arts for a living. So I made that my pursuit and um, um, they, uh, 
they were very traditional about the school and they carried a, a, a historical lineage from Japan and there, were, there was all the mysticism there. And my Japanese teacher loved to talk about it, but my uh, American teachers were always like, they didn't, they didn't want to have anything to do with any woo-woo. <laughs> they were all about the martial arts and making it really militaristic and passing it on and you know all about that. And so I was the oddball in that case. But um, let's see. Okay, so let's let's pause here. Were you having you mentioned recurring dream stuff earlier? What was going on? So in this in this process, which is many years, I'm sure, where where were you in your dream life? In general, I. I was pretty good with my dreams. I don't. I didn't have any um, really strange experiences. I didn't have any um, anything that was terribly uh, memorable with my dream world, actually. Um, but probably because I was, um, you know, drinking myself to sleep <laughs> a lot of the times. I don't know. Maybe not. But or, or but I can say that um, when when my sleep start and I wasn't sleeping well, but when I in 2011, I um, went to Chinese medicine school. I was I had uh, left the martial arts um, federation. There was a political thing that have anything to do with them anymore. And anyways, fast forward was training at the Chinese medicine school and um, uh, re uh, restored a lot of things about my health. Started getting better sleep, and my dreams started. Um, they started coming, and they were very just pleasant. Uh, that was a real stressful time of my life too, uh, but um, going through the second divorce <laughs> at that time and more, but I'd also, um, that's where I found the Kodotama religion um, that is a form of um, Japanese medicine. And so I, I dove right into that just like, uh, just like I did with the martial arts and um, it's a way of life uh, that is acupuncture and, and spirituality and nutrition and their their monk uh, system because it's a uh, is a monk based system um, they um, they have this fast uh, pardon me I'm sorry um, brain lapse um, they have this fast uh, that's um, that goes along um, with with the practice, and so I can dive into this. Uh, but long story short, I did that. Uh, it changed my body. I lost seventy pounds. Um, oh, wow! Yeah, it, it was it was huge, and I didn't. I was not. I didn't know I had it to lose, uh, and so that transformed me in 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 uh, a huge way. It was eleven week fast. Um, period. So it was like an elimination diet. You take things away for the first half and then fast with nothing for a while and then slowly add things back in. And during that period, it brought up every single uh, physical issue that I had going on uh, uh, and every spiritual, emotional thing, all my shit came forward. And it was, it was hell. Uh, I discovered gout at that time, which is mm, in the feet. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, uh, went through that and um, um, anyways I was getting acupuncture treatments along the way uh, with my mentor and uh, um, 
he he uh, he assured me that you know this was this is a way of clearing all that stuff out and getting a reset. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I totally did. Not long after I quit drinking, um, uh, and um, that made a big difference in, in things. And um, yeah, life life after that actually that was 2011. Uh, I stopped going to school um, in 2013, uh, had a car accident and some traumatic things happened there. And things, of course, since that time have been, um, the, the whole world's been pretty weird since then, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah it certainly has. So, okay. So with all this, so you were, how, you were a heavy drinker for years then. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. I, I would never say that I was an alcoholic because I wasn't, but I was definitely drinking to uh, to suppress pain and yeah stuff. Well, I don't even like ascribing titles to myself. You know, I mean, we move in and out of stuff, and exactly. there's a lot of power in what we want to call ourselves or not call ourselves. So that's just exactly. that's a difference. That's another conversation. Anyway, so. 2013. So let's look at where you are in contemporary life. And so let's start with, let's say 2013 to now, right? With the the weirding years, this long drawn out weirding that we're in. And uh, especially for, for people that are, you know, at least 30 and older that can recall how different the world appeared to be at one point, because there's a dramatic change. And I'm not talking about in, you know, going from black and white to whatever. There's a dramatic difference in things like the color of the sky and, you know, stuff like this. There's, there's a world is just somehow visually different. Uh, not to mention in all these other ways. So currently, where are you with your state of dreaming and how, how do you access those states of consciousness now? Are you, do you have control in the dream, dream world? Is it something that you allow to, you get in and you just allow it to play out? Now you've given us ideas of this and I'm assuming these ideas really are rooted in the now, but I just wanna, having moved through all this, let's recheck in with how your dream life is now. Sure. Um, by the way, please um, you know, redirect me or slow me down or whatever. If I, I again, I'm, I have no concept of time or anything, and I'm all good to be present until you tell me it's time to stop. <laughs> so, you're in good hands. Thank you. I know I am. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yes, that is what she said. Literally. <laughs> and I'll take more sprinkles. Thank you very much. <laughs> 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 so your dream life nowadays my dream life now is is great uh, i get amazing sleep i sleep on an in, incline uh, my bed's on an incline and uh, i am in amazing health shape in some ways uh, at least i'm dialing with my nutrition and my fitness and um, that uh, is helping my 
my energy regulation, I sleep really well. So I can, I, when I dream, it's, um, it, it, it's a thing. Like I, I know that I've dreamed and it's an experience. Um, there was an NDE not long ago, uh, or not an NDE, uh, oh, sleep paralysis. Oh, paralysis. I was, yeah, I, um, I was, uh, what was happening? I think I was listening. Sometimes I listen to podcasts on the way to sleep. Sometimes not. Usually when I do, it's Nox Mente, but this time it was lighting the void. And I remember whatever they were talking about, they were talking about, uh, uh, like being in that sleep paralysis place and, uh, entities being around or something. So I, and I was kind of hearing it and then I was in that place suddenly. And, um, then there was something like, like, like pushing me on my left shoulder and I was trying to, I, I, I could like feel it pushing me. And then I kind of woke up and broke out of it and I was fine. Um, but it was, you know, there was that moment of having to break through it and fighting this thing off. And I wasn't scared afterwards. I was a little freaked out and I was like, I don't, I was freaked out, but I wasn't scared. And um, I think that's a big difference in my world. Uh, there's been so much that's happened in the last two years, especially, but um, the years prior to that, leading up to it um, have been a story too, but um, it's brought me to a point now where I, not consciously, but I find myself um, kind of leaning into those spots a little more and being okay with that fear and just going, all right, well, this is an experience in life. What's happening? <laughs> Let's get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is, I mean, you've done a lot of work on yourself and a lot has happened in your life from a very young age you know uh and that's clear here in this encounter we've been having uh it shows i knew there was a lot of depth there from having interacted with you but it's it's surprising chander really so you mean as, in that i don't look like um like a person who's been beaten down by things so much maybe you're not an npc <laughs> you're a first person player baby <laughs> so so let's look at this let's let's kind of look at all this now and um walk through some some ideas and concepts what is what is death how do you perceive death what is that what's going on Hmm. I'm glad you guys are gentle. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure. I am not sure. Uh, so I started to, I guess, wake up around 2011 and started to shed things um, like alcohol, but also TV and video games and all sorts of things. Just, uh, I started to listen to uh, fringe podcasts and things like that, that, um, you know, like the higher side chats and stuff that were talking about concepts that I at one time would have just been like, <laughs> and I found myself listening going, wow, they're making some sense right now um, with some of the things they were talking about. And so my disillusionment, I, I became, I guess that, uh, you know, I had Derek Hunter on my show last night and he was talking about, um, I love uh, Derek. He's awesome. That was an amazing, amazing time. Yeah. yeah, he's really great. 
I'm still, yeah. Thank, thanks for, uh, I, yeah, thanks for connecting this in, in, uh, in the way that you did un unintentionally. <laughs> <laughs> the over the uh, Vesica Pisces. That's right. You are a connector, though. You, you, you are. Um, I forget what I'm saying. <laughs> We're looking at death, but here's okay. So this is actually a good transition because you said something. And I want to get clarity on this. Everyone says this, and I, I get confused sometimes with definitions and ideas of what this is. So you said waking up, and then you started exploring other concepts that led you into like higher side chats. And we love Greg Carlson and his show is stellar. Uh, but what do you mean by waking up? Can you yeah. give us an idea what that, what is that? What's waking up to you? Uh, so um, I've always kind of just, uh, I've always felt like um, 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 government does what it does because it has to govern people and that's what it does. And so um, it's, it's always gonna be a little unfair and there's wars in the world and politics and things. And it was clear that politicians often lie to each other and don't keep promises and things. And so I was always kind of just like, ah, yeah, this is all a sham and I'm just going to live the best I can and let everybody else worry about that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, so I never really bought into exploring things much more deeply, but um, I think it was, uh, of course I was around for 9-11. Uh, I, I hope I can say that. Um, you can, absolutely. You <laughs> uh, so I was, I was around for that and that was an experience um, and I, it made me, that was like, wait a minute, I, it, it, I knew things didn't add up, but um, when I started to get in the spirit, we're talking about um, uh, the, the two things that really got me were talking about that event and also about uh, the moon landing. And I never considered that, I never considered that um, uh, being a possibility that the moon landings might've been faked. And um, uh, then when I looked at it, I was like, okay, <laughs> um, there's a lot going on here. Whatever is happening, there's a lot of deception and a lot of um, things that are um, heavily influencing a lot of us. And uh, 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 so I guess anyway, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I'm, I don't open up to everything that's out there. However, um, there's, there's a lot that is opening up now and coming to light about things uh, all around in many different ways that um, is undeniable to me. And uh, I, I can't help but see things sometimes. And so, um, uh, um, I guess, thinking, uh, going back to Derek Hunter real quick, he's talking about being in that place where you're not tied to uh, that agnostic area, right? Where you're not, um, it's that kind of a gray area where you don't have to commit one way or um yeah or, I, I yeah but so what that was for me was um that um that's that's where I had been before and uh I found myself trying to stay in that gray area but um but finding um finding the more I um maybe you guys understand this but the more I tried to talk to anybody um the more it became apparent that not everybody's going to see the same things that I do or hear the same things I do. Yeah. Well, like my, that... my wife at the time did not believe anything about the moon landing. She was a, an English professor and a theater major and um, her mom was an educator and I was, in, I was an educator as well and stuff. And so 
anyway, she was just like, no. So I got no acceptance from that. But I, so I, I found myself being less in the gray area and taking a little more um, active approach at, um, um, at finding a little more truth. Yeah, it, this is okay. So that that describes what you where you're coming from when you say wake up. And it is in the end, it's just about questioning narratives and not just taking stuff as it's been giving given yes. to you. And it doesn't have to be from you're suspicious of everything or you know, you're in back corners being suspicious of everything. It's just it can be an honest curiosity. Yes. And I'm always a questioner, always have been, and it's gotten me in trouble a lot. Ever since I was a yeah. little kid, um, I question things. And yeah, that's that's exactly right. And it's not like um, uh, 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 it's not like I feel validated when I find uh, something. I, I find myself wanting to know more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Me too. And that's, that's, I personally think it's a great place to be because you're, uh, if you're allowing for, the established narrative to open up and it remains solid, then great. But if there are questions that lead you into some, some things that seem less solid, then that's worth exploring for your own good. It's the, you know, I think the problem a lot of people have in the world in general is when we, you get you have it's with health it's with everything it's with religion you find something that's very significant and you just want everyone else to see or find what you found mm -hmm. and so it can be a good heart it can be a good-hearted person that says look at this oh my god you know did you ever consider this have you ever seen this have you you know have you accepted this you know whatever whatever form it takes and that's where things can be a little bit unattractive or off-putting because these are personal journeys in the end and we cannot it doesn't serve anyone to push this anything on anyone else it serves no one it's no good and so these kinds of awakenings to other narratives or questioning theories this is a personal journey and as a lot of people know it can be a very lonely journey mm-hmm uh, more, more than I ever imagined. Um, yeah, you're right, Nish. And it's like I, I, at the one, on the one hand, I feel pretty lonely, and on the other hand, and I definitely am concerned, especially at my age, a single white straight male <laughs> who's in the blue. Oh, is that public enemy number one? <laughs> <laughs> God, how am I ever gonna? And the women I date, you know, are as yeah. I I don't know who's ever going to be in the same consciousness level as me. <laughs> we'll see. But on the other hand, I don't feel too bad. I feel good within myself, and I feel secure and and not lonely because of the things I've been through um, recently, even. And um, yeah, so it is lonely, but it's but it's. I actually feel good with that, um, especially yeah. where things are now. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is part of the deeper work and you've done this work and you know and it's coming out of you clearly. We just have to we just have to keep walking, keep dreaming, right? Yeah, so keep dreaming. <laughs> that that's my main message, baby, is keep dreaming. Don't let you know, don't dream it's over. Mm. You know, to cue a really great song. So as we're getting closer to the end here, I wanted to 
And so we have your idea in death. And I wanted to kind of close it off before we get to questions in and solidly in the dreamscape. So what do you think is going on outside of dreams that are the daily mental chatter, getting out, you know, working out all the stuff you said in the day, this, all this, the psychological stuff. Chasing the mice and stuff. Yeah, yeah, all of that. When we get past that into the deeper layers of self, right? When you're in a deep meditation, when you're in that stillness, when you're in that space that opens up, this big space that opens up through dream, especially, but meditation takes you there as well. It's the same thing. Uh, what do you find now in there? Is this a, is this a comfort zone for you? Are you able to, how do you see, how do you see the portal of dreams now? So, so and like layers. I said, beyond the psychological stuff, the deep you in there. Hmm. There are so many layers um, with everything you say. I just, I can go off in so many directions. I, I, um, uh, I'm, I'm funneling it down. Um, wow. So where I'm at with the dream world, I, I, I enjoy going there. Um, I, I, I have lots of questions about it and um, therefore about death and existence and stuff like that. Um, perpetually, but, um, and, and since I, uh, I have the ability to drop into a trance pretty much at will and rather quickly. So I'm no stranger to being able to, to go into those spaces and, and, and be very comfortable and make it intentional and sometimes fun. And I'm never, uh, uh, so I'm very comfortable with that. And so based on my NDEs that I've had, um, uh, you know, and the lack of fear and lack of pain and suffering that was there, a lot of strangeness, uh, but not. I'm. I, I feel co very comfortable in my dreams. More comfortable than ever. Ever going um, as far as I want to go. Y you brought up the. Um, I forget the Monroe program that you did. The Hemisync thing. Yes. Uh, and so uh, I, I, I've been listening to uh, to Light and Void. Uh, Joe, Joe talking about his experiences and, and uh, checking that stuff out and and. Um, and uh, doing my own things and stuff and diving into that world. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I feel comfortable doing so because I feel secure in my, my uh, tether here. And if, uh, if that were to snap, um, then uh, I feel comfortable going wherever, where, whatever happens is, is okay. I still have a lot of questions and I'm a little concerned. And I, I'm especially concerned that I'm not, that I'm going to get deceived and, not make the right choice. Um, but I also have that fear within dreams too, honestly, that, that maybe, maybe um, that could happen in, in, a, in a dream setting at some place. Well, <laughs> if we go back to Chander, if we go back to your last LSD experience, when you were in that 19 year old period that led to that craziness, right? Huh. Where you were at a crossroads and it, everything's very dire. And you made the right choice for yourself. It took a lot of drama to get you there, a lot of pressure to get you there. And it was very dark, but you made it and you are all right. Yeah. And yeah. there's something about right now in the outer world that feels 
strip away the whole psychedelic aspect and the other world looks very surreal right now mm -hmm. very but we're all Different kind of we're confronting this now globally and but globally but individually how dire things are how really unstable things are outside collectively in what we call reality and so this is all boiling down to those kinds of experiences so it, it, you know we can see a lot of those there's spiritual crisis going on all around us people are in crisis and when they're in crisis um, incredible incredible things can happen big catharsis can happen and if you think about this on a large scale there's a there's a a big overture that's happening right now and enough people i think are aware and are choosing they're choosing the path out right i uh, for me i always want to get out of what feels bad that does yep. i'm not one of those people who wants to linger in what feels bad i want to get out into the beauty and what feels good and i Amen. think that's a natural thing and so when you're in those spaces and you're trying to just get away from all the grossness and the nasty and whatever is just feeling slimy and nasty and you go towards that other road you're going to be all right and so this is where we are mm. and and i think that looking at you and this journey you brought us on tonight, Chander, I think you're going to be all right. Hmm. Thank you. I, I do too. I, I I honestly do. I I don't. I have no fear for that. The only thing I just don't. I just don't want to get trapped into um, another lifetime of suffering. <laughs> I, don't, I I want to be done with this world when it's done, and I'm cool with that. I, I don't fear death um, as I just don't want to suffer um, unnecessarily, and I don't want to. I don't want to suffer at all. But um, I. And I don't want to come back. I don't feel like I'm gonna. I, I, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know. I've had this sense always that I'm not actually going to die. Uh, who knows what's happening in the world now? Um, but I also feel that I'm not going to come back. So I don't know what all that means. Well, and this gets to my last question before we get to questions. The idea of Dharma and Karma. Right? Mm what's the i mean i i know what the difference is but for me at least what's the difference for you and where do you stand on that set of polarities you know karma being the bill you're creating right <laughs> where, you know when you, where, you gotta have the tab at the end of the night what's going on here so where do you feel on that scale where do you feel you are well, it depends on how, um, given that definition of, of karma, how are you defining dharma? I, I think I would define it maybe a little differently than you're asking. In let, let me ask you this. How do you define karma and how do you define dharma? Hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I think I've let go of the concept of karma. Um, I, you know, I mean, not entirely uh, uh, in that, uh, like, I don't invalidate it, but um, I don't, uh, I don't feel as tied to karma for whatever reason. I don't know if it's something I've done within myself, um, but I don't feel tied to past karma, even though I still beat myself up over things and stuff. The karmic specifically thing, like, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to suffer um, eternally or be reincarnated in, in a bad way because of anything I've done karmically. Um, well, and I've never done anything. Answer your question then. 
you you just answered so the concern you had that led me into asking that question you just answered it oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. wow thanks <laughs> bring on the good times bring I on still... the good times <laughs> <laughs> going back to Derek again, it, you know, living with uncertainty, it, I, it's uncertain. <laughs> I don't know, but I, yeah, it's, you're right. I, I am not worried about what I thought I was. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. And it's funny how when, when it gets to that point of unraveling concepts, words are tricky, words are tricky things, but that's sure. the point is that we get tied in by them and the concepts in which they represent. Yeah, it's true. So words are hard. With, where, words, words are hard. <laughs> they can be very soft and squishy. There's a, a a couple of makers on YouTube called uh, Evan and Caitlin. They're gamers and makers and weird, you know, Gen Xers and Zoomers. Oh, I gotta follow them. Millennials are millennials. Um, they have t they sell shirts to say words are hard. Awesome. I love that. It's well, it is words are, you know, sticks and stones in a way. Yeah, well the so guy had one of those and then you had a Knox Mente shirt that says that was she, that's what she said. That's what she said. Oh, <laughs> is there? I need to look in that shop. No, there isn't right now, but I I will make one. I made I made a tiny green Sven shirt yesterday. Jerry. So, do we have did no. Jerry is there anything out there no questions no for questions. Chander, I'm Yogi surprised. did such a great job. Wait, unless I was questioned. Ah, that's a question for you. Ninjutsu, where and who studied with? Ah, I, several people, mainly in Colorado. Uh, I've lived in Colorado, so my home base has been here. The, um, uh, so the, the, ones, the one that made the biggest impact was uh, the Gen Bukan. And so in... in Ninjutsu, uh, and there's so much uh, controversy over what ninjutsu really is and the uh, validity of the lineages and things. And in fact, there's a guy out there right now, Anthony Cummins, uh, who's a historical researcher. You said uh, Cummins. <laughs> I did. That's what she said too. Yeah. Um, uh, so so he, he researches uh, the historical aspect of, of ninja, and uh, he, he has something called Natori Ryu. And I would recommend looking into that because uh, he takes a look at uh, the, the other main families and kind of just makes you think, makes you question, and that's always good. But to answer your quest, your question, when, when I was training, especially there was mainly two large groups or families, the Genbu Khan and the Bujin Khan. And Bujin Khan was set up by uh, Masaki Atsumi, the uh, uh, 34th Grandmaster, I believe, of Togakaru and um, the big guy. Uh, and then his cousin was uh, Shoto Tanamura Sensei, and that, that's the one from the Genbukan, who's uh, the grandmaster of, of my, my style. Um, the headquarters in, in uh, America um, was in North Hollywood at the corner of Laurel Canyon Boulevard and Magnolia Boulevard. A little interesting woo woo tie there, too. <laughs> um, but so that's where I studied, uh, mainly here in Colorado and then uh, traveled when I needed to, to do other training. Um, and since I left the Gimbukan, <clears throat> well, actually the American dojos broke off from the Gimbukan at one point, political split, which happens. 
then I had creative differences with my instructors and never went back um, to formalized training or organized pretty much anything <laughs> since then. Uh, I live on my own, I do my, my thing. And now um, I still train and I, but training is very different for me now. Um, and I, I don't feel the need to do, to practice martial arts techniques for any reason. And um, I, but I, I'm still a martial artist and um, I'm still, I still got, what, I still have things that I are, yeah, I, I, I don't need to practice, but um, I, I, I am more focused on the metaphysical side of things and metaphysical martial arts. And um, that's a real thing. And um, diving into more of the medicinal aspect of Nimpo, uh, you know, I, I got into energy medicine uh, through my martial arts study and was certified in Shiatsu in 95. And so that's always been a good balance for me is keeping those things. And I really think that's what, you know, the long term is going to be about for me is the, um, the energy and the healing aspects and how I can um, influence the world in a positive way through that. Um, but they're still out there. You can still go find um, those people to train with. And um, it's good training. I mean, it is really uh, uh, legit, whether or not it has historical um, uh, legitimacy, um, whatever. The stuff works and it's thorough and it's real. Um, and there's no, there's no fake in any of it. You got, you, you, you learn how to do everything. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm an acrobatic specialist and um, it's, it's through that. So you learn falling and, and rolling and how to, how to actually get hit um, um, and stuff. So uh, yeah, they're very, anywhere you train ninjutsu, they're gonna be, uh, hardcore. <laughs> They're going to be real Japanese style about it and um, uh, no goofing around. <laughs> so if that's not your style, um, it might be better to do something else and then um, like train in like uh, uh, parkour or something. Would you give, give you something really close to that? Some of the best training I had in martial arts, and I love martial arts, and I'm with you on the metaphysical side, the uh the internal martial arts as i call it uh yeah. is was learning how to fall and roll and all that i cannot tell you in my life and i'm a girl that likes to wear her wedges and high shoes because i'm not oh very tall and um so I am the queen of falling and i laugh every time very lucille ball about it but in the martial arts training has really helped me. You know how to roll, you know how to land. And so I can, I can come in looking very elegant and I'll take a dive. It's all, and every time I'm feeling like I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. And I dive every single time, me too, big I, I, but I know how to roll. So it's always all right. And I'm usually laughing while everyone's like, Oh my God, is she all right? So, um, yeah. I'm, it's I'm so funny. The rolling, the learning how to fall is a very big deal. It is a very big deal. Most people like clench up and this is when you get broken bones and all that. You have to roll with it. And but not just roll, you kind of have to control the roll. Which way is it going and all that? So yeah. there's an art to it. And I hated it. I'm I was scared of the ground. Um and I'm not uh, I'm 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 a rather large person. I'm definitely not a gymnast body type. Um so all that stuff was not, didn't come naturally. And the thing I hated worst was getting thrown, like a hip throw or getting tossed in the air and having to land. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I hated that. 
but I dove, I, I dove right into it. I, I took, I did so much of that. And, you know, we'd practice on the, in the parking lot out front of the dojo to, yeah. to land on the concrete and stuff. Oh yeah. That, well, because that's the real world. I mean, that's where you're going to be falling. I can't tell you. It seems like, well, before we got locked in, you know, it seemed like I would have some sort of crazy fall in public once a month. <laughs> Seriously. And it's because I love my wedges and stuff. You know, it's the shoes I choose to wear. I, I'm you hit, if you're in a wedge, you know, and you hit a pebble, it's like a bike. You hit a pebble the wrong way. You just, you're going to go down or you can try and hold it and have a broken ankle. And I'd rather just roll and laugh. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a free little uh, uh, adrenaline rush anyway. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, you've got to laugh at yourself. I learned that a long time ago. So this has been a fantastic time with you, Chander. I adore you and you're so easy to chat with. And I'm so glad your show's going well. You've got, you've just been talking to amazing people that I love in the world and continuing to just move forward. I inspire everyone to check that out. Thanks, Nish. Thanks for giving me a lot of momentum in that direction. Jerry? No, be sure to check out Yogi's channel. I linked it in the description. And it's in the show notes, too. So uh, do you have anything else you want to plug while you're here? Um, uh, well, I, I wanted to say, you know, first of all, thanks again to you guys, both of you. Jerry, thanks. Um, and uh, you are real. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, 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 and uh, With a great voice. Jerry's got yes, the pipes. Yeah. Jerry's got an awesome voice. He centers me when I... When I uh, pay attention, yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, are you are you, are either of you broadcast trained by chance? No, no. Nope. Wow. You're very pro. pro <laughs> We're all <excited>. natural. Awesome. <laughs> um, well, I, yeah. Thanks again for having me, and I, I I love the places we go, and I am terrible at talking about myself. Um, I, I always have been, and I haven't even told uh, tried to tell anything about my story in a very long time, and so. Uh, I, I'm very, um, I'm actually a little nervous right now suddenly, and I hope that you got out of the uh, the stories which you needed. Um, but uh, it was a pleasure, and hopefully we'll get to talk again. Um, and so what I would like to plug is Jerry will be on my show, I think it's um, Friday night at 7 p.m., is that right? right? I thought you said Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that's the panel show Jerry, you know, no, no. Jerry, you he's, a, he's you booking you right now on air i got friday <laughs> off so i'm open all day actually um okay if, if i if i could do it during the day that'd be good i, I do have uh, joe rook in the evening sure so, um, whatever you want you. whatever you want to just let me know i, I, I put him on the spot i'm at your service <laughs> no you didn't you're gonna have a good good time with jer he's always he's always oh, got God. something interesting going on I, I love yeah he, and he just waits for the right time to make his comments and it's always a right thing and it's funny as hell and i can identify <laughs> with it especially on cruising the stake it's just like perfect <laughs> so it's pretty fun um what Did i you... want to plug is uh uh my channel my show that's really what i'm, I'm working on i love this community thank you for accepting me all of you yeah, um all of you people out there who, who are part of my channel thank you so much you know how much you mean to me. And um, so, yeah. What's your channel? Say it out loud. Give us the uh, it's power. It's just a YouTube channel and it's Yogi Chander. Noel, Yogi Chander. Um, you should just and, add a bing uh, to the end. Yogi Chander bing. What's, what's Chander bing? <laughs> Chandler bing. 
from friends never mind <laughs> oh, oh yes i didn't know that was his last name okay yeah 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 <laughs> i was just about to say something about friends but yeah there you go <laughs> um which have you noticed that that's making an odd resurgence yes I mean, there's a lot of friends stuff floating around there's a lot of everything old floating around lately it's it's called there's no new ideas in hollywood so they just have to reboot everything or re-resurrect it truth <laughs> we could talk about that on friday if Sounds great. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that channel, and I am um, uh, I am working with my Kodotama medicine and uh, some um, so, uh, uh, some things that will be coming up with regards to that. So um, keep on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, if you have any suggestions for something you'd like to see on my show, I'd love to hear it. And if you have anybody who you think should be on my show, I'd love to hear it. And um, yeah thank you for everything great well thanks it's been a pleasure having you on i look forward to being on your show so uh thank you nish thank you yogi it's been great thank, thank you, you jerry everyone listening and be sure to tune in next week we've got a pre-recorded episode that we did with jw spillers uh nde researcher and that was a very interesting one mm. <laughs> It was very well for the Christians in the audience. Yes. I think they're going to find it very interesting. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very yeah. religious. So, yeah, and y'all so. know I pull up to any flavor, and right. so, so I had we. a good time. Nothing yeah, is off the table. And on uh, two you, weeks, everybody. also, oh, I want to mention we got David Weiss from Deep Inside the really? Rabbit Hole. I, 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 he was one of my first subscribers, actually. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's I'm looking forward to that synchro. One. He's amazing. Um, yeah, he's really cool. I actually met him at Flattoberfest back in October. You did? You went? Oh yeah, I went. Hell yeah, Jerry! Cool. We'll talk about that too. I, I met. I met him. I met Mike Williams. I met nice. uh, Jason uh, Lindgren. I, I met Rose, his girlfriend. Oh. I'm, I hung out oh. with Freeman for a while. Whoa! It was a good time. <laughs> he was, was on your show too. He was on our show. And he didn't remember, too. I'm like, hey, I'm Jerry from Nox Mente. He's like, what's Nox Mente? I'm like, that show you were on about a month ago? He's like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, Freeman's are you, cool. Are you, a flat, are you a flat earther, Jerry? I'm not. Yeah. Jerry's open, open. Jerry's I'm, open. I'm yeah. shape agnostic. <laughs> you and I are going to have an awesome talk on Friday, man, and I'm going to get to you as well. So cool. Oh, you like don't a, even know. You yeah. don't know what you're getting into. I'm more of a holodeck Earth guy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I, I'm done with that. Yeah, cool. All right. Pass so we'll the Ducci on the right. Yep, pass that Ducci. I got my, <laughs> I got my, my THC vape right here. <laughs> nice. Hey. Nice. Mine is ready. I'll be there next. That I spent eighty-five fucking dollars on in Chicago. What a ripoff. Anyway. Oh my God. Yeah. What brand is it? I don't. <laughs> nothing, nothing this is like the show that won't end nothing spectacular i'm gonna end it good night everybody have a great night we'll talk to you next week <laughs>